0: It's good to be here with you. Um, as I think almost everybody knows, this is a really busy time of year. One of the things that's really kind of encouraging our theme for this year has been equipped to serve. And it's really encouraging to see all the different people who are serving in many different ways. So just this last week, we had a group down in Portales serving at the Children's Home Doing good work there. We had another group that was in Houston working with the Impact Church of Christ, doing good work there. This weekend, uh, we have another group that has gone up to Red River to work at the family encampment to take care of the children's programs, doing good works of service up there. Uh, camp is about to start. All things going on, so just kind of keeping prayer, keeping your thoughts, all of those who are traveling. Uh, Pray that God's name will be glorified. Pray that people will come to know Jesus, know his love and his grace and and his mercy because of what's going to be taking place over these next several weeks. It's a a busy time, but it's a good time. Let's, uh, oh, I forgot to do the update. I'm sure everybody's on the edge of their seat. Uh, Our Project 6K update. Project 6K is our challenge as a congregation to read at least 6,000 books of the Bible in 2016. We're about six months through the year and we've already read 4,468 books of the Bible. So good job. Keep up the good work. Keep those reports coming in and be looking forward to the time that we're going to be celebrating together. The fact that we have not only reached our goal but that we have exceeded our goal of 6,000 books of the Bible. Let's pray together. Father, we feel your presence here, but Father, we pray that you will help us to always be aware of your presence. Father, we have come here to worship you, but pray, Father, that we will live lives that are lived in worship to you at all times. Father, we come here to hear your voice speak to us. But, Father, help us to be people who are constantly aware of your voice. Father, our prayer is that you will transform us. Transform us into people who don't just come here to worship. Transform us into people who live our lives in constant worship of you. In the name of Jesus, our Christ, we pray. Amen. Well, today we're going to finish our sermon series about spiritual discipline and about specific and various spiritual disciplines. I want to let you know that there's some really good news on the horizon. Kathy and I are going on vacation. I won't be here the next two Sundays, which means you get a break from listening to me speak to you, and instead you'll get to listen to two of our elders speak to you over the next couple of weeks. Uh, Next week, Craig Hayes will be preaching, and the week after that, Scott Ruska will be preaching. So, I just want to say to you, enjoy the break for me. And I say, I'm going to enjoy the break from you too, so it's going to be good for all of us. So, over the last several weeks, most of the spiritual disciplines that we have talked about are individual spiritual disciplines. We've primarily focused on practices and actions and habits that we engage in individually to open our hearts up to the transforming work of our God. But I want to end this series, I want to spend today talking about the importance of what we do as a church, the importance of what we do as a community, as a body, the importance of what we do together, what we're doing here together this morning today I want to focus mostly on our community worship. Primarily, I want to focus on what happens when we come together on Sunday mornings to worship our God together. And I want you to know that I have saved this conversation about community worship until the very end of our series, and I've done that very intentionally. See, I hope that we will come out of this with a better understanding of how important our individual spiritual discipline is in our community worship. How important individual spiritual discipline is in our community worship. We're a people who care a great deal about this time together. We care a great deal about our community worship time. And I think that's a really good thing. We should care a great deal about what happens when we assemble together to worship our God. And I think many of us, though, have a sense that there could be more. Maybe there should be more. That maybe our worship services aren't all that they could be. A sense that they could be something better. A sense that our worship services could be revitalized. They could be re-energized. This next statement I'm going to make is going to shock a lot of you. There are a lot of different opinions about how we could go about re-energizing and revitalizing worship service. As a group, we have very differing opinions about what would revitalize and re-energize our worship time. And I also think those are good conversations for us to have. We should be constantly striving to make certain that when we come together, our God is glorified. We should be having conversations, talking about how we can make certain that when we come together, our God is lifted up, our God is praised. We should do everything within our power to try and make sure that those things happen when we come together to worship. We should do everything in our power to make sure that true worship takes place when we come together. And whenever we talk about revitalizing and re-energizing. I know that sometimes we get a little bit nervous about that. Because we know that when we have those kind of conversations, we turn our attention to certain things. We turn our attention to things that occur once we walk through the church doors. We want to have conversations about the form and function of our services. And anytime we think that we're talking about change, a lot of us get really uncomfortable We've had conversations about whether our services should be longer or whether they should be shorter. That was a joke. We've never had anybody say that they should be longer. (laughs) Certainly conversations about the fact that they should be shorter. But conversations about whether we should sing more songs or we should sing fewer songs. Whether we should sing newer songs or we should sing older songs. Whether we should spend more time in communion or we should hurry up our communion along so we don't spend that much time in it conversations about whether the song leader or the preacher or the prayer leader or the communion leader or the scripture leader whether they should do more of this or they should do less of that we have those kind of conversations you get the idea those are the kind of worship conversations that we usually have and all those things are important and we should take a look at all of those things But as important as all of those things are, none of them are the key to revitalizing and re-energizing our worship time. None of them are the key. And if they aren't the key, then what is the key? Well, I believe and I hope that I can convince you this morning that the key to revitalizing and re-energizing our community worship is found in spiritual discipline. See, I'm convinced that the single most important thing we can do to transform our community worship is to revitalize our individual spiritual discipline. What I want to do this morning is I want to convince you that you are the key, that we are the key individually and collectively. We're the key to revitalizing and re-energizing our worship services. And I hope to convince you that the key to our community worship has more to do with what each of us does leading up to this Sunday morning time that we spend together. It has more to do with what we do leading up to this time that we are together than it does with what happens after we walk through those church doors. And the reason why the key is what we do leading up to Sunday morning is because our community worship is not a discrete event. It's not a discrete event. What do I mean by that? Well, our worship services were never intended to be disconnected from the rest of our lives. We bring who we are through those doors on Sunday morning. What we do here in this place is an extension of who we are. Now, our community worship time is not a discrete event. Instead, it's intended to be a gathering of worshipers who have come together. It's intended to be a, a gathering of people who don't walk through those doors looking for a weekly worship experience, but who walk through those doors to continue their worship. To continue their worship with their brothers and sisters, surrounded by their brothers and sisters. So the best way to transform our community worship is by each of us being transformed into true worshipers. To put it simply, transformed worshipers transform our community worship. To put it simply, revitalized worshipers revitalize our community worship. To put it simply, re-energized worshipers, re energize our community worship. I love the scene in the Bible at the dedication of the temple. Listen to what happened in 2 Chronicles chapter 7. When Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple The priest could not enter the temple because the glory of the Lord filled it. And when all the Israelites saw fire coming down and the glory of the Lord above the temple, they knelt on the pavement with their faces to the ground, and they worshipped and gave thanks to the Lord, saying, He is good. His love endures forever. So what was it that dropped the people to their knees? Well, they encountered the glory of the Lord in God's temple. What was it that put the people face down in worship? Well, they encountered the glory of the Lord in God's temple. What turned these people into true worshipers of God? They encountered the glory of the Lord in God's temple. And what transforms us into true worshipers? Not surprisingly, it's when we encounter the glory of the Lord in God's temple. And this building is not God's temple. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, the 16th verse. He said, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? You see, we don't walk through the doors of this building looking for God's glory to turn us into worshipers. Instead, we as God's temples, as God's dwelling place, we should be constantly encountering God's glory in our lives. We should be constantly brought to our knees in worship. And when that happens, we then walk through the doors of this building already as worshipers. We walk through the doors of this building prepared to continue our worship together. Together is the body of Christ. And it's these spiritual disciplines that we've been talking about that open our hearts to see the glory of God working in our lives and in the lives of those who are around us. It's these spiritual disciplines that we've been talking about that prepare us to come here for our community worship. We read it a little bit earlier. Paul writing about our worship time together in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16. Paul said, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. Dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Well, when we're disciplined in our Bible study when we're immersed in God's word the message of Christ does dwell in us richly and when the message of Christ dwells in us richly we don't come to the building hoping to meet God here instead we come to the building to worship the God that we already know instead we come to worship the Christ whose message already dwells deeply in us and being disciplined in our prayer lives, that also prepares us for our community worship time. You'll remember what Paul said about our prayer lives. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, he said, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It's God's will for us It's God's design for us that we rejoice always, that we pray continually, that we give thanks in all circumstances. And when we have that kind of prayer life, when we have that kind of disciplined prayer life, we don't show up at the building just hoping that we're going to be able to speak to God. Instead, we walk through those doors to continue our ongoing conversation with Him. Similar things about practicing the disciplines of fasting and the discipline of simplicity. That also prepares us for our community worship time. See, when we live lives of simplicity, we don't come to the building hoping to discover our need for God. Instead, we walk through those doors to acknowledge our complete dependence on our God. We come through those doors ready to replace our worry with worship. We're ready to replace our worry with worship because we've taken Jesus' word straight into our hearts. You'll remember in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said this, Therefore I tell you, And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. And if that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself See, our community worship, our worship time will be transformed when we replace our worries about the world with our worship of the one who gives us all that we need. And we're also prepared for our community worship when we practice the disciplines of submission and service. See, when we live lives in submission to each other, when we live lives in service to each other, We don't show up the building looking to be served by the worship service. We don't walk through the doors. We don't come into this building with a me-itis attitude that we talk about. We don't come in looking to make the worship service all about us and all about what we want. Instead, we walk through the doors seeking to submit, seeking to serve, We walk through the doors with a desire to build up the whole body, with a desire to build up the entire church. We're also prepared for our community worship when we practice the discipline of confession. When we live confessional lives, we don't come to this building thinking that we're better than all the people who didn't come to the building We don't come to the building thinking we're better than all those sinners who didn't show up at church on Sunday morning like we did. When we live confessional lives, we leave behind that self-righteous attitude that Jesus so clearly condemned. In Luke 18, we read, To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. He said, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers are even like this tax collector. Now, I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all that I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and he said, God, have mercy on me, for I'm a sinner. And I tell you, this man, rather than the other, he went home justified before God, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. See, when we live confessional lives... When we recognize that we need God's mercy because we are sinners, we walk through the door to join our fellow sinners in praising God and celebrating with great joy the fact that we have a God who takes great delight in forgiving us, in restoring us, even forgiving and restoring sinners like us. We come prepared to celebrate with great joy. But we don't come to the building looking for joy. We don't come to the building looking for a celebration. No, our worship is transformed when we bring that celebration, when we bring that joy with us, when we walk through the door. See, we bring more celebration and more joy to our worship services by living lives that are filled with celebration, lives that are filled with joy. We bring celebration and joy to our community worship because forgiven sinners like us can't help but rejoice and rejoice always in what our God has done for us. So we transform our worship by being transformed. We revitalize our worship by being revitalized. We re-energize our worship by being re-energized. We transform our worship by allowing our God to transform us. With that in mind, I'm going to close with some just practical worship disciplines. I'm going to suggest five practical habits we can all start to practice. Five steps that we can all take. Five disciplines which I'm convinced will transform our community worship if we'll just put these simple practices into place. Number one is the discipline of commitment. See, if we'll practice the discipline of being committed to the body and being committed to each member of this body, I'm convinced that our worship service will be transformed. The Hebrew writer put it this way, Hebrews chapter 10. He said, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. If we're truly committed to spurring each other on, pushing each other toward love and good deeds, our community worship will be transformed. But to spur each other on, to push each other towards that, we've got to be together. We have to spend time together so the discipline of commitment is a commitment to being here it's a commitment to being together it's a commitment to walking through those church doors every time it's humanly possible for us to do so let's make it a habit to always meet together number two is the discipline of peaceful arrival the discipline of peaceful arrival. Let's be in the habit of bringing peace through those church doors instead of bringing chaos through those church doors. And I want you to know one of the greatest enemies of peace is our hurry. One of the greatest enemies of peace is being rushed. One of the greatest enemies of peace is running late. You probably see where I'm going with this, right? if you consistently arrive at the church doors feeling rushed, if you consistently arrive at the church doors frazzled and frustrated, I want you to try this discipline. Do everything on Sunday morning 15 minutes earlier than you normally do. Get up 15 minutes earlier. Eat breakfast 15 minutes earlier. Shower 15 minutes earlier. Don't forget the shower. Start getting dressed 15 minutes earlier. Leave your house 15 minutes earlier and guess what will happen? You can say it. You'll arrive at the church building 15 minutes earlier. It's not just being here early. You'll arrive 15 minutes earlier, but you'll also arrive peacefully. You'll bring peace through those doors instead of chaos. And if we'll all practice the discipline of peaceful arrival our community worship will be transformed. Discipline number three is the discipline of the soundtrack. Let me ask you a quick question. What's the soundtrack of your life? If your life was a movie, what music, what noise would we hear in the background? What's the soundtrack of your life? It's an important question. Because the soundtracks of our lives, the soundtrack throughout the week, greatly affects us and it greatly affects our worship. Paul recognized that and that's why he wrote this in Philippians chapter 4. He said, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Think about such things. What's on your radio? What's on your television? What's on your phone? What's on your computer? What comes out of the mouths of your friends? Is it true and right and pure and lovely? Is it admirable and excellent and praiseworthy? See, if that doesn't describe the soundtrack of your life, then you need to change your soundtrack. You need to know it's impossible to feed on junk all week long and then just magically check that junk at the church doors when you arrive on Sunday morning. You are going to bring it in with you. So we can transform our worship by changing the soundtracks of our lives. Discipline number four is the discipline of looking out. It's the discipline of looking beyond ourselves. It's the discipline of actively looking for just one person. Just one person every Sunday morning who you can tell needs your encouragement. Maybe it's a single mom who's struggling with her kids. Maybe it's that brother or her sister who just recently lost a loved one. Or maybe it's someone that you can tell by looking that they're really not sure if they belong here. See, we can, we can transform our community worship. If each one of us will walk through those doors looking out for just one person. One person every Sunday that we can encourage. Number five, the last discipline is the discipline of eager anticipation. Anticipation. This is the discipline of walking through those doors eagerly anticipating what's going to happen in this place. This is something that we find is very true. When we eagerly anticipate that good things are going to happen in this place, they usually do. When we walk through the doors eagerly anticipating that God's going to speak to us in some way in this place, He usually does. When we're on the edge of our pew, during every scripture, on the edge of our pew, during every prayer, during every song, during every sermon, if we're on the edge of our pews eagerly anticipating that God is going to speak to us in this place, he usually does. Let me give you a quick example of how that works. A couple of weeks ago, Joe Mosley was up here. He was leading a prayer. And as he led that prayer, God spoke to me. Joe prayed this. He said, Lord, help us apply our lives to your word. Now, I don't know how many prayers I've heard in my life in the worship service. And the prayers usually go like this. Lord, help us apply your word to our lives. But that's not what Joe said. Joe said, Lord, help us apply our lives to your word. And man, that hit me strong. It's a deep theological truth. It's exactly what I need to do. It's exactly what we need to do. We need to apply our lives to God's unchanging word instead of always trying to apply his word, make it somehow fit in into our ever-changing lives. What happened two weeks ago? Well, I walked through those doors anticipating that God would speak to me in some way in this place. And he did. See, our worship will be transformed if we will practice the discipline of eager anticipation. So, by all means, let's transform our worship. But let's transform our worship by being transformed. By all means, let's revitalize our worship. Let's revitalize our worship by being revitalized. And by all means, let's re-energize our worship. But let's re-energize our worship by being re-energized. Let's pray together. Father, our prayer is that you will transform us. Our prayer is that you will revitalize us. Our prayer, Father, is that you will re energize us. And Father, we pray that you will do those things to us and through us so that we will see your glory. And so we'll fall to our knees and fall to our faces in worship of you. And Father, this is my prayer through Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. So what I want us to do now is I want us to end our time worshiping our God. We're all going to stand. Go ahead and stand now. We're going to sing a song. We're going to worship our God together. But listen to me carefully. Let's sing to our God, and let's worship our God with energy. Let's sing to our God, and let's worship our God with vitality. Because our God is good. Let's see.